When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, you guys, welcome to this special mid-late week edition of the Temple of Who podcast. Uh, we had to tap in after the trade deadline. Things went crazy. Bunch of big trades. Uh, the one that Kings, we'll get into what Kings about to take a bow for the trade he called for a year ago. <laughs> or when it happened, what he said, he's about to take his bow. Um, but we do have a special guest, Joseph Gill of Merck Analytics. Joe Gill, friend of the pod, about his third or fourth time on here. Always. Uh, Joe actually reached out to us. He wanted to talk about some of these trades. And I can't <laughs> wait to get his take on some of these. Um, Joe, what's going on, my guy? No, I'm, hey man, I, I'm happy to be back for a third. I mean, however many times you guys want me out, until your listeners stop listening, I think that that'll be the time where you guys cut me off, right? Oh, like, no, we 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 in a friend friend of the pod. You was you was in here, and we we were out the trunk on SoundCloud, baby, before we got picked up. <laughs> third episode, Wire. right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right. We were out the trunk on 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 on, uh, on SoundCloud before Blue Wire picked us up, man. So now you you were OG, you were OG, uh, OG guest, um, man. Let's start with that that the home run out the gate. Uh, Sixers, they get their guy. Moy gets his guy. James Harden, Nets, uh, Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, 2022 first round pick and a 2027 first round pick, which I thought was wild. We'll get into that in a minute as far as his compensation. Um, we got to let Kings go first here. He called for this trade like a month after Harden went to <laughs> – <laughs> went to when it was looking uh looking rough early. Um to be fair, that big three did finish 13 and 3, but 16 games and a little over a season together. That is wild. Uh between the injuries and Kyrie choosing, electing not to get vaccinated. Uh man, but they finally bit the bullet, traded Kings. Let us know what you think about the trade. Yeah, man. I, I like I always I always kind of said last year too, I always kind of felt that they were gonna be better off getting um you know having a player that's going to be more defensive and that's going to help them interior wise because i always felt like with Kyrie and kd and with joe harris you know and some of their role players who were good shooters because last year they had shaman that they they were always going to be able to put enough shooting on the floor and i just think interiorly they needed some more uh, uh you know some power some size and some uh, versatility i think a versatile big was always better then Harden, I, I actually liked. I, I mean, I understood trading Lavert and I understood trading Dinwiddie because I, I knew with KD and Kyrie they wouldn't be able to mesh as well. But I, I always felt like they should have kept Allen, yeah, I remember, and yeah. that they should have like uh, moved those guys for more of a power wing. They had Jeff Green, so I understand that they felt confident with that, and they just wanted to go on with Harden and get as much talent. But like I always said, I always felt that I didn't like. Like I understood everybody's idea of they had so much offense, but I just didn't like the fit overall and I always felt like as long as they just had those three and auxiliary parts 
I always felt like there was going to be something lacking. Now, last year, if they were healthy, I could see why they would win. I think with Jeff Green, with Shamit, and with the healthier Blake Griffin, I think they were uh, more better around the margins to go on the on the longer run. Uh, you know, Brown wasn't as bad. You know, you know what I'm saying? So it's like yeah. they had better auxiliary guys or the auxiliary guys were playing better last year for them to go farther. Um, this year is when they kind of, you know, they kind of went the way of the Warriors and the Lakers where it was a lot of vet men guys, you know, a lot of, you know, G League level or rookie talents that they just, they picked up this year in the draft. You know, Cam Thomas is great. He's going to be a good player, but it's like, he's a rookie, you know, and he's, his, his uh, main chops is scoring and they have, they already have a bunch of scores, you know, in terms of Katie and Kyrie, not a bunch of scores, obviously, but they have Katie, Kyrie, who, who, you know, pick up the main slack. And then when they had Harden, Harden was going to be, you know, one of the scorers. So it's like, it was just kind of hard for Cam Thomas to, to really, you know, make as much of an impact right out the gate uh, as, you know, I'm saying. So it's like they had, they were suffering along the margins a lot more. And you saw that when Katie went down, because Katie was really backpacking them uh, to start the year. Katie went down and it was just hard. You really saw the roster deficiencies. Even when Harden, uh, I think for games where Harden wasn't there and it was just KD, it was a struggle. You know, KD was really having to play hella minutes to, to carry them the win. So I always thought that, man, depth is just better for them. I, I felt like because they have enough offense with KD, with Kyrie, they have, uh, you know, when Joe Harris is healthy to have, that's another great four space, even though he has his demons in the playoffs. But I just always felt they had enough, you know, and then they have Patty Mills now. They added Patty Mills in the offseason. So it's like I always felt they had enough sh- shooting, scoring. They just needed more depth. And I like the trade for them because um, Ben Simmons obviously gives them that perfect small ball five. Um, you know, he can he versatile, can switch, but he can also handle the rock a little bit so they can get creative on offense. Because uh, you already know ben, ben Simmons is a great playmaker. He's basically a guard on offense. So one of the better guards on offense if he plays guard. So they can get creative on offense. And then defense, they have a lot of versatility. Now you have Seth Curry coming out as another sniper. So now you're not as pressed for Joe Harris's spacing as you was before. Because so now you have Seth Curry to throw out there. So it's good Joe Harris insurance in that in that regard. And so it's like, and then you have Drummond who can add more size, who can you can get some 15 to you know 20 maybe quality minutes in the playoff playoff run. You know what I'm saying? At night. So it's like they have some really good depth pieces to where if Kyrie and Katie is healthy. Gotta take them as one of the contenders in the league. Like they're right. definitely a contender right there with everybody. Right. I just yeah, I didn't uh <clears throat> I'll get in this in a minute, but in addition to Simmons getting Seth Curry in the in the two picks in Drummond, I was like, uh man, Maury really uh <laughs> really wanted that guy. Uh, I'm, not, Joseph, I'm, what, not sure, I'm not sure if it was Maury that cost him those things. I think you can thank Joel Embiid that uh, right, yeah, right. Yeah, I mean Probably, that yeah, pushed for that one. So uh yeah, what 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 did you you I know I know you've been kind of you've sided with Ben throughout this whole ordeal, uh Joe. So uh you know, let us know what you thought about the <laughs> yeah, trade. Yeah, my I think my allegiances in Philly are pretty <laughs> yeah, I, I try to keep them pretty gray. Um because I'm I'm a big Maury guy and I'm a big Simmons guy, and so it's kind of hard to try to service, you know, uh, both camps, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it, it is one of the more bizarre trade, and this isn't a hot tip, one of the more bizarre trades in a long time because it's it, 
in in so many ways for Philly, it's a perfect fit. In so many ways for Philly, it's a terrible fit. Like truly, it's it is bizarre to think about because you know the style of basketball that Joel Embiid is playing, and he's showing a little bit more. You know, he's like spreading his wings a little bit more without Ben Simmons this year, which is great because he needed to do that. Um, but at the end of the day, in today's NBA, just like with how efficient shooting is, with how efficient, you know, having four shooters on the floor and having the Giannis, having the LeBron James, having the wrecking ball to just try to, you know, draw two. And if he doesn't, you know, if he doesn't get the guy to commit well, good luck trying to stop me at three feet, you know. Right. Um, it, it is just so hard for the big man to keep up with that. And so obviously, like, what do you need? You need someone who can create a high quality shot when Joel is, you know, either too tired as he's battling all game or Joel is injured or Joel has an unfavorable matchup. So you need somebody who can create high efficiency, high efficiency shots without always needing to get to the lane. So in theory, that's James Harden. But the problem is, and we saw this in Houston when James Harden was frankly more in his prime, not that he's, you know, a, a fading star, but you know, there, there are some, some lights flashing yellow right now. Yep. Um, yep. How, how much is that? Is that, and you know, that's the thing about basketball that people always want to discuss, especially people in the analytics world, sorry, taking a shot at them as always, but <laughs> these, these are humans. These aren't machines. You know, they don't, they don't flip it on and, and it's, you know, it's a program running in there. If James Harden didn't want to be in Brooklyn from the jump and he looked at Kyrie Irving as like, well, we can't do anything with, with, you know, this much dead money sitting in street clothes. <laughs> Maybe he phoned it in. I don't know. But in theory, he is a little bit diminished from what he was when he was playing Dwight Howard. And Dwight Howard was one of – it was it was getting rid of Dwight Howard that truly unlocked the full scope of James's game. You know, with the, the foul rule changing this year, that's hurt James. Now that, you know, he needs to create a lot more three-pointers off the dribble in this situation than previously when Joel's on the floor – the bad news is, dude, you know, when Joel's on the floor, everyone knows you're going to be trying to create three points off the dribble. They're going to be playing up on you. Now, all of a sudden, you're getting less of these free throws, less of these juicy, you know, 2.4 point per possession, three point foul shots. Right. Um, this, dude, this can go bad. I I, I know that this, I've, I've seen other people, you know, parroting this take. I, I, I was, I, 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 I was thinking from the moment that James Harden was, was named an all-star starter, I was thinking about Sam Hinkie. I was thinking about everything that's led to these two teams at this point because you are now taking a massive gamble on James Harden, and you're probably locked in with him because, you know, oh, yeah. you can always get creative in the NBA. You can always try to make, you know, space in, in ways. You know, there, there are people like me who are just scanning the CBA, trying to figure out, you know, if you route a guy through Antarctica, you know, is, does it become a non-guaranteed contract? <laughs> but, you know, the truth of it is, you're, you're trading all this for Harden. He accepted the player option. Frankly, that is that is a massive, massive stroke of luck for the 76 as they exercise the playing player's option because James Harden could, you know, continue playing this level of basketball and someone's still going to offer him the max. And so you're still putting yourself in a situation where you're going to lock yourself into the Chris Paul supermax on a guy on the wrong side of 30 who's showing signs. So, I mean, like, you know, this is kind of a roundabout way of me saying that uh, – you have to do your damned if you do damned if you don't, because yeah. you know, what Joel Embiid yeah. is as a player is he is unreliable with his health. He's unreliable with his conditioning. You have a healthy season out of him. This is best basketball he's ever played. You're trying to win one championship, right? You have to push all in here, but yeah. frankly, because of how, you know, and like people from Philly are going to be, the, are going to be yelling at me like you show up to work every single day. I've worked at the gas station for 30 years. That's boss. That's not Philly. But anyway, people, <laughs> the fact that he's sat out, you know, his value, um, he's allowed to do that. And so this is what you get, you know, but if, from, from the Brooklyn point of view, I agree 100% with everything Kings just said, because I think he nailed it on, you know, on the head here because 
Simmons is is another potential wrecking ball guy. When you have a Durant, all of a sudden you have the ability to go super small, not from a height standpoint, from a skill position standpoint. Now all of a sudden bringing in Seth Curry, that is massive because I love yeah, that's, yeah, that's yes, that was yeah, that was the piece that kind of was like whoa. Well, that- I mean, and I, I I made this tweet like going back to is going back to when he's 19 years old. The oldest story of the last decade is Seth Curry left our team, and oh crap, that is a much bigger loss than we ever anticipated. Like <laughs> right. every time a team loses him, and he you know they, he goes somewhere else almost every single year, that team turns around. It's like man, dude, it's weird not having a 44 percent shooter from the arc. Really, kind of makes our offense poopy. Like, it's like and, yeah, and, and, and he's not a he's not a he's not a uh, you know. He's not a caution tape on defense either. Like that's no. not underrated thing. He's he's an okay defender. Yeah, and he and he gives effort. You know, and that's yeah. he's a good positional defender. And it's that thing where now all of a sudden, I frankly, I love the Cam Thomas pick. I love the Kessel Evers pick. I've been I've been high on Nick Claxton ever since I saw his dad the combat. I'm like that man could throw a couch across the room. Like it is it, this they, they drafted well, but I think Kings is also correct in the sense where like they they hit this weird soft spot between young guys and veterans and when you're looking at this team, it's really going to come down to, can you find the guy to guard the Giannis's of the world? Because like if Ben Simmons comes back, even at 85% and, and you, and I mean, like I'm rooting for this, I'm rooting for pissed off Ben Simmons. That would be just on a basketball level. So much fun. Like, dude, just come on, take 10 threes the first game. Like, whatever, <laughs> like but seriously, like can, can, this could be the team that got better right now. And they also got picks out of it. So, I mean, this, this trade yeah. is Ooh, bizarre, you know, we may be looking back to this trade in three years and saying like, dude, Joel does the thing that oft injured big men in their twenties doing their thirties, which is get even more injured. And now you're locked into James Arden, who is a stretch too. you know, it's, it would be, this can go so many different ways. I, I want to have a foot in both camp, but dude, gun to my head. I'm saying Brooklyn won this trade short-term and long-term. And I say that knowing full well that, like, I could be the most wrong and feel like I could win the championship this year, you know? Yeah, I, 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 I'm with you. Like I said, the the, the 2027, the first-round picks being unprotected was wild to me. Yeah. Because, like you said, you don't know what MB is going to be health-wise. Harden's already, like you said, flashing the yellow lights as far as his athleticism uh, goes. So those picks being unprotected, man, that, that, that was, like, spicing me. But I think the Nets did a good job of understanding how – how thirsty Maury was for for uh, Harden, and they looked like it was been no it had been no since the day Maury left Houston, he had wanted James Harden. Just the day he left, so I think Brooklyn did a great job of absolutely milking that to the end. Man, that's it is pretty wild too because it's almost like Maury waved the white flag because the deal yeah. wasn't announced at three p.m. It was announced at one. You know, right? It time, you know, but at the same time, it, it is a little telling that he felt that there was no way out. You know, <laughs> and I, I kind of agree. I think Maury is a great negotiator, and he he knew he had to take a deal, and he took the best one available to him, and the deal is really rough. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I get I get all the concerns, but at the same time, I look at it from the standpoint, like you said. You know, Embiid is in his prime. This is the best shot they're going to have at a title. Yeah. James Harden is falling off, and he hasn't hit the wall yet. Um, honestly, the thing with James Harden is that a lot of his game wasn't predicated on athleticism like a rest. So if he ever just takes his health and his shape seriously, like he could actually great age like pretty gracefully because oh, his yeah. game is – his game is so much predicated on so much craftiness, so much skill that you just can't teach and so much of IQ. So it's like if he just 
gets himself into consistent shape, he should age gracefully. So it's really just on him. You know what I'm saying? And and you know what? They kept Bible, great yeah. young guy, they, and they kept Maxi. So for me, I was like, 2022 first round pick doesn't really matter because they're a contender this year. Like, yeah, you know yeah I mean? the, like, the 2022 pick didn't move. It, I just I thought then, it was then, a yeah. I just thought it was like it was Ben Simmons and those four assets. Like right for me and for me, the 2027 pick <coughs> is for me is like for, is protected. So even if they're a large team at the year, they'll still be able to keep that pick. Oh, so it's, it's protected. Like, it's protected. Yeah, it was, it was protect, oh, yeah, the 2027 okay. was protected. So I was like, that's not big of a deal to me. And then Drummond, I think, was a big loss because he helped keep yeah. him be fresh. Yeah. But I heard they got Millsap back in this uh, trade, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah. they got Mills. Yeah, they got Millsap back. So that's somebody, a body that they could play. Uh, they could also try and find the big to sign. And then um, also, like, so also like they kept DG, kept Thibel, kept Maxi. So they kept a lot of their their depth and their uh, and their uh, wing wing defense. It's for me. It was just like you basically gave up. Because the 2022 pick doesn't really matter to me, yeah. and Ben Simmons wasn't there. Gave up Seth Curry and Andre Drummond. Mind you, Andre Drummond was going to get 13 minutes in the playoffs run max most games. Andre Drummond and a protected first round pick for James Harden. That's what they did. Like, like when we step back and we look at it, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, protected first round pick in 2027. That was like the main meat of the trade that they gave up for James Harden based on their situation. I think they did the best that they could because they kept the two young talents. If they would have lost Maxi, I've been like, uh, yeah, <laughs> Brooklyn got you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Brooklyn got you. But I think keeping those two and being able to give up picks that were digestible, you know what I mean? And then taking on James Harden, like, like you said, man, they needed a star. They needed to go all in. You know, we're, you're concerned about this going forward. <clears throat> You're also concerned about Harden's play style. Will he ver- get versatile, or is he still going to stick to his antics that have been getting him in trouble this season? <laughs> like, you know, hey, look, he's going to get favorable looks because this is one of the first few times in his career because he had a washed white where he's going to be playing with an actual big who commands attention inside. So he's yeah. going to get favorable looks on the perimeter. So it's going to be on him. He, Like I was telling Tony, he has to ball. Like, like Harden has to ball. <laughs> He has no choice. He's gotten what he wanted for like, I mean, he's been getting what he wants since he stepped in Houston. Like he got what he wanted in Houston. Then he left. He went to a super team and he got what he wanted from the super team when he wanted to leave. Like he's been getting what he wanted. He's been getting what he wants almost every year since he stepped in in Houston in terms of from the front office. I don't know how he does it, but he's been getting everything he wants from any team he's played for. No more excuses for James Harden. You got a good team. You got a superstar. He's playing like the best in the league. And you got great depth. Enough. Enough. You have to go ball. That's just what it is. To take a step back, it's funny. You know, Andre Drummond, the, the <laughs> last years this man has had have been wild. Like, I remember <laughs> the summer of 2019, all these videos show of him dribbling. He's got a Snapchat show. He's taking, like, these, like, crazy threes and pickup games. And I was like, oh, that's just a summer thing. Dude, I go to Gerd camp. Drummond's there. Next thing I know, he's hitting the outside of the backboard on 18-footers. I'm like, oh, no, he's – this is like he's doing this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it was – it was it's wild to watch a man who's just so – such a natural, graceful athlete be like, I'm going to do the one thing I can't do. But anyway, it is weird to think that, like, it, he – truly was a very valuable piece to this Philadelphia team because yeah, it was. 
Jason, you're a coach. You know this. Like, you know, it's easy when you're playing 2K to just draw the plays and hit, hit the, you know, hit the, 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 the sets for exactly your personal. They run it perfect every single time. The basketball world is not like that. Right. You run one system. You have, you know, these unifying principles. Everyone's on board. You run the same sets over and over again. And then all of a sudden, the main spoke in the wheel, he's gone. And there's not a whole lot of guys like him that can even emulate. I'm not saying that Drummond is like Embiid in as far as an impact level, right. but I'm saying that he he fulfilled the role just enough that they continue to run the same stuff. Drummond was playing the best basketball since he's left Detroit, even yeah. last last year in Detroit. I mean, you know, when Embiid's in the game, they're playing at like I think it's a 63 you know, uh, wins, you know, 63 wins in a season rate about scoring their opponent per 100 possessions. And then when he sat, it used to be, you know, they give it all back and then some potential, especially against good teams. With Drummond, when Drummond was in the game, they're playing at a 43 win, 44 win rate. That would team that had, I mean, how many guys in the league, you know, can you you do that with, with Joel? There's, you can count them on one hand. And, you know, people are talking about, like, some people were saying, like, oh, they might buy him out. It's like, Brooklyn's not letting him go. Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely no chance. Not. He, he is, I think he's, I don't think he's a super valuable piece for Brooklyn, but he's a very valuable piece for Philly, and they're not going to let him go. They right. knew what they were doing. They were taking away, not Philadelphia's heart, but they were taking away, like, I don't know, a spleen? You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to hurt. <laughs> All right, so, yeah, we'll see how that um, – they said Ben joined the team, but it might be a, a little bit of time before he actually plays while he's trying to ramp up and get himself into, into shape, so – uh, KD sounded excited about it when they were doing the draft. That was pretty hilarious too. The draft, the, the superstar draft. That's crazy hard. It was a last pick by Michael there. But Dude, the, way, the way LeBron said so he's been injured, right? I mean, that was yeah. I, I never thought LeBron's a funny guy. That was comedy brilliance. Yeah. I you know, he's peaking yeah. late in his career. Right. Bar- Barkley has those moments where you're just like, This is why he's on he's been yep. on here. <laughs> yeah, Barkley, Barkley was setting him up. Um now uh Probably the most surprising uh, trade to me um, between the Kings and the Pacers. Uh, Pacers, Kings traded Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Hill, Tristan Thompson for Demona Simona, Cessna Holiday, Jeremy Lamb, and 2023 second-round pick. Uh, I'm still kind of in shock. I I thought Fox was going to be the guy to go. Um, But, man, uh, I just – I didn't understand this from the Kings' point of view in in, in a guard-heavy league. Um, I will say this. I tweeted this earlier. I think that Demonis is the type of big that Gentry, like Perry Allen Gentry, he can can maximize whatever the best part of that is, given his skill set and Gentry's offensive, uh, you know, kind of repertoire and re- uh, reputation as a coach. But giving up Hallie Burton, who I, I think, I think, I know a lot of people know, I, I think he's a future All-NBA player with his talent, um, which is kind of wild to me. Uh, to be fair, Samoa's had a great first game. Uh, you know, people were all out. You know, haters shut up. But you know, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, John, let you take this one first. What did you think about uh, this trade at first? Shock! Like yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 I found out from a Josiah Johnson meme, and I was like, "Well, they got a free first back for him." You know, like that. Ooh, that that's yeah. a bummer. But I mean, it is. There are so many bad trades that happen in the NBA. <laughs> Often, right but it's usually like hey you know like it's russell westbrook and some teams buying the hype you know i'm not i'm not 
pointing fingers at anyone has happened three times in the past <laughs> years. Um, yeah, 10% of the league has made a bad Russell Westbrook right. trade at this point. That's pretty incredible. Um, but like, it's, it's very rare to see a player who's young in his second year, who's already like not even like showing potential, but is already, you know, delivering on the potential right, yeah. in a small market that he likes. And he's just poof gone. It is if to me, it felt like it came out of nowhere. Um, it, I mean, dude, I'm not going to say who probably made the call, though I bet it's the same guy who is making all the calls, it seems. But he really wanted Sabonis, I guess. Like, he must not have called anyone. Like, that, that, that is a – that was a fixated trade I've ever seen one because, you know, just from a pure value standpoint, I'm not saying Sabonis – like, Jason and I were talking about this before the show. It's like there's no part of me that can, like, diss Sabonis as a basketball player in the sense of, like, I played – division three basketball and i thought like i maxed out my tools you know like sabonis is the best he can be and i mean that truly right that doesn't mean you have to trade for him or sign him or give him a ton of money but you can appreciate (laughs) him without being like all right here's the keys to the corvette have it back never you know and so i i I, it's hard to give analysis beyond four you know like what are you man like this this kid is the, the holes that he had in his game and I, I did a report on, on him back when you know he was going through the draft process and I was like I would be if I if I had any sort of semblance of a young star in this draft I would be trading back a, a top pick if I was the Wolves if I was the Warriors for sure you know if I was a team that like thought I had the guy and I was in the top six or seven in the lottery I'd just be trading and trading and trading collecting assets and then grabbing Halliburton at the very end because you know, his form's a little funky, but he shoots the crap out of the basketball, has always done that. He can now shoot off the dribble. That used to be a bit of a hole in his game. He's now running a good pick and roll. That was a big hole. I mean, his personnel at Iowa State wasn't conducive right, to right, right. a good yeah. pick and roll. And he's a smart, you know, every time you hear the kids speak, it's like, it's like, dude, once you're done with basketball, please go cure cancer or something. <laughs> you know, like for the rest of us mere mortals. But like, it's, you know, he was clearly going to, he, he, he plays, what, what else could you ask for? Seriously, he's a young guy who plays winning basketball. He scores and he can defend and he can run a pick and roll. Oh, yeah, there's this white dude who can't block a shot or stretch the floor or switch on <laughs> anybody. We got to get him. Like, I, you know, what are you doing? And, and the wild part, be far passed off the Kings. Like, he wanted to be in Sacramento, California. Like, that was the wild part to me. Like, you never, like, you never get a kid who wants to be in Sacramento, California. That was the wild part. To me. I mean, yeah, like we, we saw we saw how how it went with Bagley when a kid was just like willing to show for a workout yeah. to, to be in Sacramento. Like, dude, you you need to understand as the Kings, like you need the guys who want to be there, and you shouldn't settle. But like, just showing up for the workout doesn't cut it for you. You got to get the kid who's like, yeah, I'm here, and they had him, and now he's gone. So I. I don't know. I'm so sorry to any Kings fans for listening. That, that it can work out. I hope you guys make the playoffs and get like a win or two. But like to to trade that guy for a dude you can who you will never win a championship with. That might be a bit of a hot take. I doubt it. Um, for how much he's being paid and what his skill set is, like you're you're you are just removing any ceiling for the duration of the contract. <laughs> you know, Kings. What do you think about this trade? Man, I, I like. I was thinking to myself, I'm like, man, do the Kings really think that they can build around Fox as a bonus? Like, yeah, do they the, really, do they really believe that? That's a million I mean, dollar question. I mean, oh, that's that's a twenty cent question. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if they if if they really if they really believe that though, like if, if they really believe um that they could build around around those two, then uh, more power to them. I mean, 
when when they when after that trade, uh, one of the funniest tweets somebody said, uh, I think this was Bear when they asked, um, "Oh, the Kings aren't done yet." Bear is like, "Oh, we're not done messing up. <laughs> <laughs> we're not done messing up because honestly, you can't trust the Kings. Like, it's first of all building a team around Sabonis and Fox is already challenging enough. Then to trust the Kings to do it is just adding, you know." The, the highest level of difficulty you could add to any type of uh, team building simulation. So, you know, you had Halle Byrne, you had uh, uh, Fox, and then you drafted Mitchell. I mean, I love Mitchell. Mitchell's a nice guy. Uh, he can play both ways. He's a nice player. But it's like, you know what I mean? They're the type of team who does things like that. You, you had a great young guard in Halle Byrne, another great young guard in Fox, and then you drafted another guard. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like, I don't know if I can trust them to build a stable team around uh, Sabonis and Fox, but, uh, you know, Sabonis is an all-star. He wanted to be there. Um, Fox is, has all-star type of talent. Um, so I guess in their eyes, it's like, we have two all-stars. Let's see what we can do. Let's sell tickets <laughs> and let's put out a competitive <laughs> product. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm, I'm not, like dead ass, like a, a small market. That's definitely part of the equation, by the way, just for the it record. Is. That, it is. You know, that just, you know, so I'm not discounting that at all, but we'll see how that shakes out. Uh, you know, the had that 25 and 12. Joseph had the haters in his mentions, man. Let them know that, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I actually, I actually just closed on the LLC. I think, I think I'm done for that, for that game. Like I clearly don't know what I'm doing, you know, right. like who, who does it against the wolves? <laughs> you know, like who, who could ever. <laughs> so another big trade. This happened actually a couple of days before the deadline. Uh, Pelicans made kind of a win now move. They acquired CJ McCollum, Larry Nance Jr., and Tony Snell for Josh Hart, Nikhil Alexander Walker, Thomas Sedaransky, D. Lozada. 2022 first round pick was protected. 2026 second round pick uh, swap and a 2027 second round pick swap option. Um, two things about this Nikhil Alexander Walker was rerouted to Utah. I think maybe good for him playing for Quinn Snyder uh, for what he needs to develop. Um, uh, Sadoransky was rerouted to uh, San Antonio and if it's filling another deal, uh, Pelicans in Larry Nash Jr. had knee surgery uh, yesterday and he's out for up to six weeks. um, Those are the like residuals of the trade, but the big piece obviously was CJ McCollum. Um, I will say this as the the avid Pelican watcher of this uh, of the pod uh, makeup right now. The Pelicans, in my opinion, I've said this a couple of times, they had the worst guard play in the NBA um, leading up to this. So I, I understand it. Um, McCollum's only 30. So, you know, it wasn't a terrible risk. He's got this year and then one more year after that. So, you know, if it was a, a complete two. Two more after that, yeah. Two more, two more, after, two more after this year. Um, so I think at 32, which I think I don't think is with the looking at his style of play, I think he ages fairly great. His game's not reliant on athleticism, just more of a crafty, and he can shoot it at all three levels and off the bounce, which I think is very important. Um, also think he'll have less of a workload when they if if they can ever get Zion on the NBA floor. Uh, let us pray. Um, I, I loved it. Uh, he shot terribly tonight, but you're going against Miami, who I think at full strength is the best defensive team in the NBA. Uh, they're only fifth because they have so many injuries, but I think at full strength, I don't think there's a better defensive team in the league, and they went against that team tonight, so they obviously struggled. Um, but I liked it for the Pelicans. The Blazers, um, 
I saw Joseph allude earlier to kind of selling high. And I think after CJ had that tour playoff run when they went to the conference finals and he eliminated Denver with that game seven, I think that is when you sell high and you could possibly get way more value than uh, what you ended up with, which was, you know, Josh Hart, who I like, but, you know, I think he's hit a ceiling as a player. Nikhil, who you rerouted. Um, I, I, I go hug a Blazers fan. <laughs> this should have been the CJ should have been traded two years ago, in my personal opinion. Um, Joseph, what do you think about this one? I mean, this it, it, I, I I think once again you nail it because it's it, I, I have this argument with people all the time where it's like, <laughs> dude, you know, like Cristiano Felicio gets paid eight million dollars over four years, and was like, wow, how does that happen? <laughs> that doesn't. No one's giving Cristiano Felicio thirty million. You have to be good to get thirty million right. at some point, right? right? And so it, it's not a question of can CJ ball. First of all, everyone in the NBA can ball. Like, dude, t- Robbie Hummel would 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 put his foot in your mouth if you were, you know, an all-state D two player, right? Like, it's that's just the way it is. Um, so, like, I, I I understand it, but I think that this is definitely one of those trades where, in the moment, you ask, you know, like some guys, like, how couldn't they get more? You know, like they basically got like some cap relief, and then they they got they got together, going to reroute, and you know, it was like what a few token throwing picks, right? Right. Okay the amount of relief that they got from this pick so that they're, they're freeing up net 40 million next year. They yeah, have yeah. 5 million the year after that. Um, I mean, I, I think that it's a no brainer to, to wave, you know, a uh, heart whose deal is non guaranteed. First of all, for the record, I'm pro player. I, I prefer to work with players. I almost exclusively work with players. In fact, I work, I've worked with two players in this deal. Um, <laughs> not, not a lot, but I've worked, yeah, I, yeah. I've worked for two of the guys in this deal. So, you know, it's, I'm pro player, but in the, the day, this with the salary cap, you know, there's no ethical consumption under capitalism. Shout out Kings. There's also no, I think, <laughs> ethical analysis under capitalism. Yeah, right. I hate that I have to talk about the cap, but I do, you know. Um, this is one of those trades that is going to look kind of like, what are you doing? How could you? And I agree with you, Jason. You should have sold high. Um, I, I think that there was probably some amount of, you know, I, I think it's a very rare thing that you have such a unified front among a skills trainer where Phil Beckner, one of the best in the, in, in the business, um, you know, he works with Dame, he works with CJ, he works with Joseph Nurkic, and he works with Anthony Simons. You know, it's very rare to have a skills trainer work with that many guys, that many high-level guys in your team. And also, he's really good at what he does. Yeah, right, right, right. That, that, that could have easily been part of the equation, I think, to prolonging this core because that's a rare thing to have guys on the same page and they're all improving and playing at high levels, right? But at the end of the day, um, I, you should have sold higher. And I think right now you're getting on the last possible second. I like this trade a lot for Portland because, you know, CJ is only 30. His game is not less as predicated, but he's already flashing yellows to, to talk, not, not as – you know, it's not as dramatic of a yellow as, as James Harden going from an MVP candidate to, you know, below 50th percentile in PVP this year, you know, maybe that's because James didn't want to be there, but you know, CJ's at about league average. And so in two years, when you're paying him 35 million, it's not just that you're putting on a guy who's likely not going to be scoring above league average, you know, never, you know, even for his position, potentially at shooting guard, it's going to be the opportunity cost of all the other opportunities you miss out on by having this big contract that, Uh you know, is, is this guy who's going to score it at a decent rate, who's going to make open shots and you need that a lot right now, but you might not have needed that in two years. If you just stuck this out and you waited to hurt yourself and you went out and you got guys, you know, Kings and I kind of, you know, chatted about this a little bit while we were talking about, you know, putting this episode together where, 
you, you know, it, we're, we're kind of becoming a bit polarized with how teams are building um, to try to win a championship. You have the teams who are like, we're just going to spend all the money on four guys and then it's buyout market, minimum contract, middle-level exceptions, first-round picks, nothing else. Then you have the teams who are like, we're going to get two dudes and we're going to get two healthy guys. And then we are going to have every bell and whistle of a role player that is dependable, <laughs> that is proven. And frankly, that's the approach I like because, you know, obviously with the super team, an injury kills you in either scenario to one of your top guys. Yep. Um, at least this way, like, you know, you have some flexibility where if your top guys aren't, you know, having the matchup they need in the playoffs, you're not just dead in the water. You have, you know, an escape route. So, like, I, I view this in Portland where – I'm biased, but Anthony Simons, this is clearing the runway for him. He's going to yeah. be a very wealthy young man, and he deserves it. His worth ethic is unbelievable, and it shows in his game. Um, and I think this is the right move for, for the Trailblazers, and I think this is a move that's going to feel really good for the Pelicans in the short term. But in a year from now, they're going to wake up, and you know, every, every month guys on the wrong side of 30 in these big deals don't play defense get a little bit harder to trade. Yeah, and the guys so I, can't yeah. the top get harder to trade. <laughs> so I – I would be very wary of, you know, of chasing the play-in tournament at this price right now. Not that Hart or, you know, um, or the, any of the guys that gave up, you know, it's, you know, DD Hart, and there's another guy who's likely going to be waived, right? Not Nikhil, Nikhil and Zadaransky. Routed, yeah. 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 yeah, and so, you know, and, and to, to give up picks, it just I, – I, I know that Portland needs to do something, but I don't think this was the move. You didn't need to do this at this point and doing it at the deadline – probably make your options even more limited than they'd be on draft night. And you're not going anywhere this year, especially without Zion. So you talk about New Orleans, not Portland. So so can can it possibly have been worth it? That, that's that's my question. And I think in two years it'll be a sobering no. So I, I have a, I have a question for you on the on that. So the back end of this before I'm gonna let you Kings in so the back end of this, which um I, I um is in mind. So Zion's up next year. And then the year after that Ingram's up. And I felt like at some point you had to show them something because Ingram was going into year seven, no playoffs. Zion's going into year four. And the friend, they've gotten worse every year since he's been there. But they had Holiday, Lonzo. Uh, I, I still don't know how they goofed up the whole Lonzo ordeal, which, you know, you win championships with players like, like auxiliary players like that, in my opinion. Um, but so I think they had to show those two something with contract years coming up. So what would it be? Anyway, would it be kind of worth it in in your eyes if you get those two to buy in longer? You know, and I'm, I'm so sorry, Kings. I'm Minnesota born and raised. I'm not a fan anymore, but <laughs> it's okay, man. I, I got to get the analogy because this is what the Wolves have been doing for 20 years. Ah, know? okay, okay, okay. It, it, it truly is. You know, you got you got to get the guy who's available at the price that's too high, who fills the immediate need to try to convince yeah. the guy to stick around. And in two years, once that deals up, you're just left with even less assets to go over, under. You know, go up. <laughs> a less appealing situation to bring in the few free agents who will, who will take the call, you know, in good faith. And, you know, it, it's this thing where I, I feel like they're finally, I mean, you know, it's, it's a different re- regime than the ones that would throw out. I mean, it was like Alexi Ajinsa and then who was it? Omar. Uh, I seek, I seek, yeah. 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 I mean, oh. not much respect to the, to the, you know, to the bruisers, but there's a reason why I've forgotten their pronunciations already. I'm sorry. I'm not, a, I'm not trying to do that on purpose. <laughs> But, you know, I, it, it is that thing where I, I, I feel like it is it's a prisoner's dilemma that a lot of these front offices run into where, yeah, dude, especially Ingram, that's a real scary thing is you have absolutely no recourse to retain him if he's like, I don't want to be here anymore. 
um you know with zion he can he can be a little you know mischievous that's a wrong word and sneaky's the wrong word too self self uh looking out for himself let's put it that way and signing a three-year deal that gives him flexibility um but at the same time if i'm the gm i'm sitting there like dude you are having problems staying on the floor we will give you five years and if it doesn't work out so be it um if you want to take the three-year deal and, and, and gamble like that we'll, we'll match it and we'll see where we're at in three years because you know, it, it is this thing where every single, you know, these the small market teams say, oh, we can't get guys, we can't get guys, we can't get guys. Like, dude, there are so many guys who have baseline of value who go for the minimum every single year. Yes. You just have to, you just have to spend a little bit of money on the non-court personnel in the, in the front office to know what is the valuable archetypes to go Hello, after. Hello, Lakers. Hello, Lakers. <laughs> I mean, like every single year, you, you get a guy like either there are 10 Pat Connaughton's out there who everyone's like, why would we ever sign Pat Connaughton? It's like, because you can play him as your ninth man in the NBA final. <laughs> and he right. will help you in the regular season. It is that easy sometimes. Dude, yeah. them double the minimum, it's a bit of a risk. But at the end of the day, I mean, like, you know, if, if you're going after a guy who's a proven unguarded catch and shoot charge shooter who wants to play defense, those guys rarely don't help, you know? Right. So, freaking five of them every single year and just see what happens like truly you know um that, that that's the extreme don't sign five sign three or four you know, two or three in the ideal world but like that would be how i would approach this because i would rather be the team with 40 million in cap who's trying to get guys to come to an unappealing market than locking myself in on a guy who's in immediate need but not a ppp points per possession mover which he's he's dead average he's in the 50th percentile at this point in his career might improve a little bit in uh in orlando assuming on orlando in new orleans Kind of doubt it. It's not. I don't think it's going to be a better situation for CJ. I think that his impact is going to be greater in the uh, the upside he gives to the team versus what they had currently. So, to, to answer your question, I, I I would just I would be so wary of locking myself into a guy that I feel like we're paying all this money to with absolutely no guarantee that we're going to be fighting for a four seed. You know that to me yeah. is why. You know, right. try try to hit a home run and keep cranking out singles in the meantime. Right. Yeah. I thought, and to be fair, I think they. Herb Jones to me has been a, a top seven ish rookie with showing a tremendous. Up. He's a future all NBA defender. They hit on uh, Alvarado, who was undrafted. He, he essentially made Sadaransky tradable. You know, he's a, already a rotation player. So, yeah. So, he's got to hit, keep hitting singles like that and try to, you know, keep grinding out. So, yeah. Um, I would be very wary of Herb Jones because he's currently making 57% of his guarded catch and shoot shots. And he was under one point per possession on his unguarded ones at Alabama. So, I'm not saying that a regression's coming, but her regression's yeah, yeah. coming. I'm just saying, but I, I, my thing was, if he can defend how he's doing, like, that's going to stay. That, that's, yeah, so uh, go I, ahead, I'd love to have him on my team. You know, if right. I was on my team, yeah, but. Yeah. <laughs> Kings, what do you think of this trade? Yeah, man, I mean, I kind of liked it in the sense that I always felt like if Zion was there, it gives him a guard who can force space. I looked at it from a skill set standpoint. He can shoot off the bounce. Uh, CJ can shoot off the bounce. He can, um, he can uh, help open up the the floor for both Zion, Zion and B.I. And uh, just, you know, <clears throat> is Nola going to get free agents? Like, that's something you really have to ask yourself. <laughs> is Are they a free agent destination? So it's like you have to be able to get guys like that. But like, as Joseph said, man, when you lock, when you locked, when you lock them in a contract, right, when you lock them in a contract and it's a guy who's on the Bronx side 30, he's not really a needle mover like that. That's that's that can get teams in trouble. And sometimes as a team, you want to be you want to just maintain that flexibility. 
<clears throat> and sign up and you know you develop Zion, you develop BI, then you sign a bunch of good depth guys as opposed to oh well we're locked in the CJ and he's underwhelming so we can't move on. Like man, it's it's tough. It's 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 really tough because you know um, that's gotten a lot of that like that got Indiana in trouble basically recently. But they locked themselves into a lot of guys who didn't really move the needle. Now they have to sell them all. So um, you know OKC is kind of taking the route where they're they're not doing that. You know they're staying under the cap. We're only getting guys who are worth it or paying young talent who has that, who have that high upside, like SGA. So, um, you know, OKC seems to be taking that. Joseph. OKC's like, that. yeah, they, OKC's like, yeah, Hinky you got a player. We'll, we'll take a pick. We'll take your picks if you want to give yeah, us a player. Like, bad player us a pick. It's like, man, we're going to build this right because of what happened with Russ and what happened with KD and what happened with Hart. It's like, we're going to do this the right way so we can make it retainable and sustainable. So, um, I think CJ is going to be good for them in the sh- in the short term. In the long term, though, that's a different situation. Uh, but I think you know, Nola has a lot of long term questions with Zion anyway. So it's like, man, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, but I think in the short term, I think uh, CJ helps their team out yeah. for sure. And I think what the other thing is, I think, uh, <coughs> and I'll say that I'm not the big the biggest David Griffin fan. Like anybody who neglects shooting for in today's NBA, I'm not going to raise eyebrows. But um, they do have it just a truckload of picks from the Drew Holiday and and uh and AD trade still as far as swaps and picks. So they can like bust a move to get out of it. It might cost them some picks to get out of it like it did with you know getting out of Steven Adams when they extended them before he even played a game. Uh but <laughs> it, it, they, it's well, look, he have these days. He's like he's just backwater, right? Like, <laughs> game, right? like right. it's but weird. Those like structure is really helpful even for the guys you whiff on a little bit, you know? Right. right. So that's that. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it pans out. Uh, I guess said they took a tough L to Miami Heat today, who I think are you know pretty damn good. So we'll see. Um, last big trade we are going to go into big four teamer. Um, that kind of caught me. Whoa. Uh, so Bucks, Clippers, Kings, and Pistons combined a four team deal. Bucks got Sergi Baca, two second round picks via Sacramento, Detroit, and cash from the Clippers. Clippers got Rodney Hood, Simi Ojale, and Vanya. Marinkovic, who I think is overseas, is he? Or is he is he here? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Kings got Dante DiVincenzo, Josh Jackson, Trey Lyles, David Minchinu, and a second-round pick. And the Pistons got Marvin Bagley. Um, I got to say, just overall, we went over the Clippers trade for Norm Powell uh, on the last pod, um, Joe. But I, I kind of love what the Clippers are doing. Uh, it's right in the like uh, we were talking about the teams clean me and Kings all talk about you can see these teams have a philosophy in the Clippers like so the Bucks they got Eric Baca size 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 the Warriors big on IQ um, but the the Clippers it's wings 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 like they just collect wings <laughs> <laughs> Ty Lue he wants to I want to I want to switch everything I don't want five guys who can do anything on the basketball court and I'll be competitive and I love that about Ty Lue. So they get another wing in Rodney Hood. Uh, I love the Norman Powell pickup. I think that helps them short-term and long-term. I think that was one of the rare trades that does that. But I was saying I love the Clippers, and I love that the Bucks. we don't know what Brook Lopez is going to be like. And those four games Ibaka played when he got back, if he's like has that, that makes the Bucks kind of scary to me. Like the jumper was back. He's moving well. He's defending the rim. Like that, if he's that, and stays healthy, That that's kind of scary uh, long-term. So, Kings, let you take this one first. What do you think about that that 14 trade? 
Yeah, I think because uh, with me, Serge, man, he really adds to the Bucks archetype. <clears throat> really, make he that that three and D center, that three and D five, that really fits their play style. And if you know, it, it, it helps keep. I think it's important to help keep Giannis off the five as much as possible in the regular season until need be. Um, from a film standpoint, obviously, from, also from a you know just the leg standpoint, and also it's insurance in case Brook Lopez doesn't come back. So I think it hits a lot of, or he comes back compromised. So I think it hits a lot of points, helps keep Bobby again in a more limited role, so it heightens his impact. So I think for Milwaukee, man, that was a really that was a really big trade. That was a really good trade for him. I think they got, um, I think I think that helps solidify, um, I think that helps solidify. Uh, their front court, which is what they needed. And Dante DiVincenzo uh, was very expendable for him. Grayson Allen's been hooping. Yeah, Allen, yeah, Grayson well Allen. So yeah. And then you have Wes. So it's like you didn't really need Dante that much. So did it cost a little bit to get off him? Yeah, but, I mean, I think they got a second back, and they gave up two seconds. They got two seconds back. They got two seconds back. And yeah, so they got two seconds back. So it's like, bro, you know, they, 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 they were fine. I think it's probably smart because you know, also Dante was come up was due for an extension, I believe, too. You know, just exactly. kind of like that kind of exactly. solved that problem for him. An- ankle injury too that this yeah. week I think three times this year. Right. I mean, he he was a real plus minus darling, and then the Bucks won the championship without him. Yeah, right. So it kind of begs the question of, you know, yeah, is is it is it him or is it the role that you can bring a guy in? You know. So what do you think about this trade, uh, Joe? Uh I mean. Be a pretty fun trade in NBA 2K17. Like that right. would be a really <laughs> yeah, like, dang, dude, that, this, is a, this is a deal breaker in 2K17. But I, yeah, it, it's hard for me to get excited about almost anything that happened in this trade except for Surge. I, I definitely agree. It's it is fun to see Ty Lu go all in on the philosophy, like you said, of just like you know, yeah, dude, we'll pay Paul George, you know, uh, Kawhi, Trey Man, uh, not, not Trey Man, Terrence Man, Luke Kennard, and Norm Powell all at the same time. Like, why not? You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, we're, we're all going to die someday. Might as well think about like, while we're here. And uh, that being said, I mean, I, and I know you, you rightfully checked me on Twitter because this is Steve Ballmer's money and he can, you know, he's got all that Zoom money. Like, what what is he going to do, you know? Um, but he can afford it, but also they have a hundred and like almost 60 million basically locked up at this point for next yeah. season, which I got to say, they, they cleared 30 with this deal though. Right. With the luxury tax or clear, they clear like uh, they, cleared, they cleared a good amount of luxury tax with this deal. They, they got under, they got, they got some off. Yeah. And I, but I just, I wonder about their, their ability to be flexible because, you know, with the team that they have right now, and it's, it's kind of weird because these are names that like, I don't think people would be like, Oh yeah, I got to retain him. But like, dude, Amir coffee has been playing very well. Uh, Isaiah Hardenstein is looking I, – I, I don't want to say something that sounds stupid, but I'm going to say it anyway and just risk it. Like a starting caliber center. And, and I, I can't believe I just said those words, but the man is in limited minutes going absolutely buck wild. Yeah, and I, so, I, I, I DM'd you. I think he made, he made Surge expendable. Like, okay, we're going to go. I think so. It, it, is, it is wild to me. I mean, he, he's made now, what is it, four stops in two years? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> three years old and it's just like dude i don't know what like how many times do you do you need to just remember like do you need to remember like if a seven footer is being paid two million dollars and he's 21 years old just wait one more year you know like literally just one more you don't have to resign it after that just wait one more year you know and it, it it's weird because like I, I look at this team and i i feel like they are absolutely married to this group and then you know obviously someone would, <laughs> someone would take man someone would take Powell, but those aren't the guys you want to give up um right. I think in the moment you have to sign both 
Paul George and Kawhi and go all in. I, I know awesome. I just rallied against the, you know, the, the maxes from the GM standpoint, not from the pro player standpoint, but like those, those are the two guys to me where like, if, if we're looking for the potential like doomsday contracts in the NBA where we're looking at them like, Whoa, you know, like this isn't a Russell Westbrook or John Wall scenario where it was always kind of a question of like, are they just valuable to the organization? Are they value? Are they truly helping <laughs> win a championship? Right. You know, those guys were championship caliber players. But right now, they are really looking like they could just go and go and go, right? Yeah. And they could just be forty million on the books in perpetuity, almost for very little production. So, um, you know, if I was the Clippers, I would be trying to, you know, like to get what I can for Canard, probably try to get what I can for Man, knowing full of those are good players. Because if you're trading for Powell and you have other guys who can step in, um, I I don't think that you can continue to spend in this structure especially with uncertainty from Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and get away with it. I, I view this as, um, you know, and there's stuff they can do to, to, to always, it's this thing where I thought Russ was untradeable, you know, when he was in, with the Rockets and that was wrong. Um, you know, someone will probably roll the dice on, on Kawhi and Paul and Paul George, but this could get ugly fast if, if they are unable to stay healthy, because even if they're unhealthy, no one will be trading for them. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this: like, um, I think Paul George actually showed more red flags this year than you know Kawhi. Kawhi, the, he yeah. could, that was a freak injury. He bumped, he bumped knees, but Kawhi was legitimately looking like one of the best three players in the world when in that playoff run. Like he like that. That was like I was like he just he won't miss a mid range jump shot. Like, this this is kind of he's just not going to miss a mid range layup in his playoff run. It was kind of insane. Um, but yeah, you're so, right. Um, but, Yeah, I just I I view this as a team like if you don't have the for sure championship upside and it's hard for me to say they do right now. Yeah, I can't justify these moves. I'd be trying to cut and and retain flexibility because all this stuff is is making you more competitive this year, but it's it's stacking fast. Yeah, yeah, I think I I think I think they they will if they if they see Paul George and Kawhi come back and don't hit a certain level, I think they'll definitely go into sale mode with the auxiliary parts. And Maples, uh, to that point, I, w- I did want to look at um, for the uh, the Pistons and the Kings end of this trade. I think the Kings, you know, in trading away Barnes and, tra- and uh, trading away Bagley, uh, they were looking to probably try and bring in some a little bit, uh, some more bigger guards or bigger size to try and put on the wing. Um, that's why they're targeting Dante, who's like a big guard, c- kind of play small wing, uh, you know, Josh Jackson, but you know, is he is he is maybe trying to squeeze whatever they can out of him, really? But uh, I think mostly they were tra- you know looking for Dante. Uh, obviously, they got Trey Lyles, Trey Lyles at six ten, trying to see what they, he can do with their scheme, and then then obviously you know you had the picks as well. But um, I'm really interested by um, the Pistons. Uh, I think them taking a, a shot on uh, uh, with Bagley. That's Bagley's. I mean, for Bagley, this is your moment, man. You're going to be on a young team. You can <laughs> fit their timeline. You. You're going to be playing with some other young talent. This is your chance to show everybody that, hey, I belong in this league and I can be a good player in this league. So I think it's a pretty good uh, risk for the Pistons. Fits their timeline and uh, gives them a young player to try and hopefully see if he can fit uh, going forward. I think the same. Me, me, me and King <laughs> the same thing. Every time we saw Bagley play against the Lakers, it was like, why is he playing more? Maybe he just he just killed the Lakers because he'd he'd knock a shot down, he'd drive to the basket, and he'd defend the hell out of LeBron. And we'd just be like, 
why does he play more? But I guess he uh, has to show that every every other part of the, uh, his game. But go ahead. It's funny too, because I mean, like, if there was ever a perfect situation for him to be like, okay, stop shooting, it's right here. Because, like, <laughs> they, dude, they've got Olenek, they've got Luca Garza, they don't care. You know, yeah. if you're shooting twenty percent from from three and playing no defense, Luca Garza will will play no defense and shoot thirty five percent from three, and he's a lot. He'll be a lot cheaper. I, I, I still see the value in, in, in taking the shot with Bagley. Truly. I, I, I thought that he's probably, yeah, I, I rated him in that top five drafts as being probably filler, but with potential upside, it's just a rare archetype to have seen a guy at Duke who was so good as a dive guy and a roll guy around the rim. who wasn't a great defender. And then he just decided that he's like, like every other, not I should say every other, but like, like, you know, there's a certain type of big man who's like, I have to show it all. I can't just be the guy who goes and dunks it. And I'm here to tell any big man who's listening, you can, I will help you and I will take my cut, but you can, and you should, you know, it is very lucrative to be the guy who just does one thing very well when you're seven feet tall. So, yeah. Um, I told you guys this beforehand. Is there another trade that we didn't go over? I think we went over like the big ones. Is there a trade that 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 we maybe didn't you know go deep into that you guys saw that possibly could be like, hey, that could be like a bigger move than we thought? So I'll start with you. Uh, go ahead, Joseph. Oh man, you're gonna make me talk of Nikhil Alexander Walker first, like like a. Oh, like, go ahead, go ahead, go see, go ahead, dude. I it's this thing where you know, like I I went for big air. And I still stand by my pre-draft assessment, even though it is not coming to fruition. <laughs> I, I I don't know how to say that I still am optimistic and I still think that he can be a very good player in this league while being an analyst and looking at his numbers because like those those two opinions, to quote Dostoevsky, <laughs> men are made up of their contradictions. I, right. like, like, I, cannot, <laughs> I cannot look at these numbers but value on them and say these things, but like – I, I just I, I view Alexander Walker as there is sometimes guys just change and you know like they weren't the players that we thought they were over a small sample in college but I thought Nikhil from a basket never mind the shooting off the dribble or the shooting in general from three I thought just from like a defense and basketball IQ standpoint um, that and from a pick and roll standpoint that he would have a baseline of value. And the Pelicans are not a good situation. His rookie year was, you know, <laughs> what every player's least favorite thing is that when I miss one three or I make one bad turnover, it's yes. I'm yanked. Yep. Um, but at the same time, you know, and you touched on it with, 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 with Quinn, uh, Quinn Snyder, where, I mean, just – I don't know what he needs. We include his structure and he needs a little bit of freedom. And I, I, I view this as this is prop. This is it's sad. I don't know if he'll ever get another chance after this though. He'll probably get another contract because he's, you know, he's still a young player, but you know, w- with his shooting splits at the rim, um, you know, the amount of mid range shots he takes and what he's shooting off of them um, with his jumpers up with his shooting from three, um, it, it would be hard to continue to justify investing in him, even if you're like me and you still believe that, you know, the, the, the two years at Virginia Tech could not possibly be an aberration. And, you know, when you talk with his coaches of the national team, they have always for, you know, as long as I can remember, they, they've been all in on him. You know, they, they view him as this very high IQ, very intrinsically motivated kid who, you know, just isn't being put in a situation to succeed. And, you know, you're not going to find probably a better situation for someone like this than Utah. 
Um, and Utah, frankly, probably needs a little bit from him that they want to get over the hump where they were looking like a contender early in the year. And now they've kind of fallen off. I'm not sure what the correct deployment is, but, you know, putting him out there with Gobert and three shooters is probably a great start. And just seeing if you- I, said, I think the, the thing with the as of Utah is uh, he's somebody aside from Gobert, Gobert who will try on defense. Uh, so <laughs> I think that's a start. So I, I, I look at it like this. They let Clarkson, you know, take crazy shots and not play the defense. He'll take crazy shots, but, you know, he'll try on defense. So. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, it's always, you know, and it's, it's, it's kind of a sick joke in the sense where, you know, for youth development, it's, it's always the kids are told to do the extraordinary and do the, you know, do, do the, the, the very top line NBA level plays when they're 14, 15, 16 years old. And then guys like this come into the league and it's like, okay, you are doing none of that. You are right. going to be a catch and shoot guy. And, you know, he's been given more freedom than most, but you know, he, he's, he's the type of player that I would love to work with because um, you know, if, if he's able to establish a baseline of value as I make good decisions, I try and defense and I'm not going to, you know, try to force things off the dribble. I'm only going to shoot, catch and shoot and straight line drive. He will succeed in the NBA. Yeah. Is he's not too far gone. And then that's when you start getting back to the player that he was in, at Virginia Tech where he's taking threes off the dribble confidently. He's ripping guys at half court. He's finishing through traffic. And, you know, it's, it's been very sad to see that he's a player that truly still, you know, like at a certain point for three years, you're supposed to be like, okay, I'm just wrong. And <laughs> up until this point, I have been clearly wrong. I can't run from that. But um, it's it, it, this is one of the few guys where I'm just going to continue to, to believe that there can be a very productive NBA player in there. So for the Utah Jazz, this is, you know, instead of trading for Dante DiVincenzo, you know, it's funny. I, the, the Kings want uh, size at the guard. It wasn't there a six, five combo guard. She's like 41%. Is <laughs> right. I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. I don't know. Why, why right. get that guy? Hey, hang but, in there because I'll tell you what, Brandon Ingram looked like one of the worst second pick, second overall picks in recent memory <laughs> his rookie year. <laughs> and, and he just got the hang in there, baby. Keep hope alive. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just I'm gonna keep tweeting through the pan. <laughs> Kings, uh, any kind of lower uh, under the radar trade that you think that you saw that would have have a little more, uh, you know, effect down the road, or, or you think re- even sooner than that? I think you know. I think potentially the Derek White <coughs> to Boston trade yep. might help them out. I, they've been looking for a stable presence at the uh, guard spot. Some a more of a facilitator. I think Derek White could potentially be that for them. Help get uh, Jalen Brown and uh, Jason Tatum into their spots. <clears throat> so I think that could really help them out um, going forward. Uh, it's not obviously a big name mover, but it could be from a fit standpoint and a scheme standpoint. It could be somebody who can really elevate their team a little bit. Uh, it's going to be tough though because you obviously know. It's boys in the East. In the East got, is crazy this year. We got heavy hitters everywhere. I mean, I, I, there's, here's another trade. I mean, this was a lot earlier, but this is a trade that's paying off dividends. Rondo to the Cavs. I mean, that's been that's been big. That's been big for Cleveland. I mean, it, it made Rubio expendable because you look at what Rondo's doing. The thing with Rondo is that he has an offensive skill set where where you have so many off-ball guys that Cleveland does, especially in the front court. Rondo thrives in that, especially with front court players who need a guy to help set them up. And the thing with the Cavs is that they have the perfect defense to hide someone like Rondo, where now he's not pressured to be that on-ball stop where he could use more of his IQ. Where if you saw, if you remember Rondo in the playoff run, that's when he had his defensive shining moments when LeBron and AD were engaged in the back line. Rondo was able to play more IQ ball and was able to be effective defensively uh, when he tried. You know what I mean? And he's able to, you know, 
he's able to kind of coast on defense right now because he has such such great guys behind him. And then when he's engaged, he can be a very good player. Rondo's been great for the Cavs, and he's made the Cavs a real dark horse. Man, the East is brutal, bro. Like so many good teams over there making good moves for their for their unit. I mean, man, I, I... <laughs> oh man, it's gonna be fun to watch those playoffs, man. It's gonna be yeah. fun. Yeah, my, my 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 trade. Uh, it was when you mentioned with Derek White. I thought that had been huge. The bank thing. I think me and you've been saying the same thing for the longest. The, the Celtics need a point guard. Uh, just that somebody who can just somewhat facilitate and put somebody else's offense first <laughs> than their own, um, and help Tatum and, and Brown get easier looks. So I thought that was big uh, for me. Uh, I think a really underrated thing was was the Suns. The two mini trades the Suns made for their depth. The main one for me was was getting Toy Craig. I see anytime you can add a when you know you're going to go against a certain archetype of player in the playoffs, these wings who can really score and are physical. I think just adding players like you know Toy Craig, they help you, they defend, they eat up fouls. You know he can knock a shot down. I just think that was really. I think they needed another wing. So uh, I, I like the Suns getting Toy Craig. So we'll see how that goes. And you know that that move is really interesting too because it kind of tips how they're viewing the rest of the league where. Yep. You know, two weeks ago, not maybe three or four weeks ago, the expectation would be if the Suns are making a move for a defensive stopper, point guard, because Steph, right. you know, obviously. And by bringing, by deciding to go, and not that there might be someone who emerges in the bio market, you never know, but it's very rare that a defensive point guard who can at least do something to, you know, there's not very many of them to start with who can, right, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> very few of them wind up on the bio market, but you know, if, if they, if they wanted to go after one, they probably could have gotten one for a rental just, just to have. And instead they opted to go for a familiar face who, you know, you, you could probably try and throw him out there. I'm not sure it would do anything, but he's much more suited to try to play physical, you know, aggressive point of attack defense on, you know, obviously no one can guard Giannis, but maybe Jimmy Butler, you know, maybe someone on, you know, a, a, one of the, the teams in Memphis, you know, it's, sorry, what was that Kings? I said Chris Middleton types, you know. Precisely. And so I think, I think it's very interesting that, that Phoenix opted because, you know, you're not worried about, uh, about any of the wings on, on, you know, you're not worried about Wiggins or, or, or Clay to the, the, the point where you're going to be bringing someone like that when you already have bridges, you know, right. I, mean, I think it's very yeah. interesting. Yeah, I think to, to, to add to your point, they did um, they did trade for Aaron Holiday too. So you know, maybe yeah. something something to something to that. Um, the, the rare cash considerations for a player right. about your restricted free agent signing. Right. The, right. Those, those, <laughs> paying exactly. for the right to pay a guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> the last thing those, I was gonna say, I think those moves just uh, was more of those things where they feel like they can get to the finals, and they yep. remember what Chris Milton did to them. And, you know, they're seeing the fact that, you know, um, you have the Nets who's also potentially could get there as well with the with Katie on there. So it's just understand that you're going to you gonna have to give Bridges some some breaks here and there. And, you and you know, you might have to like, you know, especially where you're going up against someone like Kyrie, like or, or someone with um, like James Harden with now with the, with the Sixers, you're going to need just as much players as you can on the perimeter who can guard, who can sit and be versatile. So they, they're looking at, at a finals perspective, because obviously with the Warriors, they don't have that many uh, perimeter guys who can get theirs off the, off the bounce like that in terms of wings, wings type of size. And then even if you go down the list of the, the West, I think um, uh, Memphis, you know, Bain is nice. Um, Jaws nice. 
Uh, Dylan Brooks is nice. So I think maybe for them, potentially, that's, mm. a, nice, that's, that's a team you can look at. But Utah, you know, you're not really that concerned with uh, with Clarkson and, and Bohan like that. You, you have enough to be able to shut that down. Dallas is going to be live and die off Luka. And, you know, now that they add some guards, they're going to use smaller guards. So it's not – you're not really concerned with that type of wings. The West doesn't have that much wings with Kawhi and, you know. Yeah, this, this was PG definitely – this, this, this was definitely for a, a Brooklyn-Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely for the East. Yeah, uh, also, also, you know, like I'm, I'm not saying the Bulls would make it. Yeah, I'll say the Bulls. Yeah, yeah, you right, saw yeah. Levine and you saw DeRozan. It's like the wings are de- – the East is definitely wing, uh, length heavy, so – that's just Phoenix looking for. It's like, hey, we make it to the finals. We're going to need size on the perimeter to be able to handle these guys. All right. All right. So last thing before we get out of here, um, Lakers caught a lot of flack for not doing anything um, over the trade deadline. Uh, <laughs> Dave McMenamin really held Rob Palenka's feet to the fire, basically asked him did he feel like he was wasting uh, a year of LeBron's career. Uh, Palenka smart or kind of like uh you know vaguely fired back and said you know hey i asked lebron and ad you know for input on every move that we make um they after not to the one trade that was reported that they turned down uh, the rockets actually called the lakers and offered to send john wall and they take westbrook back but they wanted that laker 2027 first round pick which i think does have a little bit of value because lebron probably won't be there and if uh Kurt Rambis still has a say in the front office. The Lakers won't be that good. <laughs> so, um, Kings, I know all year you were talking about wait till the trade deadline, wait till the trade deadline. Uh, Lakers could not get anything done. There was something with the Knicks that was coming to fruition, possibly uh, around THT, and, and, and that pick uh, just ultimately did not uh, get done because the third team did not agree on the draft compensation and they couldn't make the money match. So um, are the Lakers cooked, Kingsley? Yeah, they are. <laughs> Just that simple. They, they are. They, they are. Um, this showed me their front office either doesn't have the ability to, to, to make margin trades or any type of overhaul, tra- overhaul trades uh, midseason to correct mistakes, uh, or B – if they don't have the ability, he doesn't have the connections that want to work with him to be able to do that. Either way, that's a that's just a bad thing <clears throat> going forward. Then you add to that cheap ownership that is willing that to fun. lose quality play. You are willing to lose quality players that you could have easily retained. And this is why. And this is why people who keep saying that oh, like they make smart uh, they make smart comments about oh, well, uh, if there's all these issues, Caruso wasn't going to solve this or blah blah blah. It's like. You're not getting the point because you're just short-sighted. You're looking at the looking forward to the future. When you want to make trades, you need tradable assets. So even if Caruso, even if Buddy Hill, even if Schroeder didn't work out, whatever, if they have a contract, if they're young, they have a contract that's movable and they can produce somewhat, they could be used as Stally Fair, they could be used as a piece to get off and get other guys that could be a better fit on the margins. Pure point blank. You know what I mean? Like, look, look, look what the Lakers have. They literally have to wait till 2023 uh, to to have a real flexibility because the only the main assets 2029 first round pick, 2027 first round pick, and THT. Like, that's your main assets going forward. Because and all you really have to offer is vet means because you didn't retain Caruso. 
you didn't want to <clears throat> uh, you didn't want to keep KCP and, and add a Buddy Hill to add you know more tradable guys to, to going forward in case things went wrong. You got all of that for a forty-four million dollar role player, a role player. He's not a star. He's a forty-four million dollar role player who's a bad fit on your team, but he takes up so much cap that you're limited. And you can't build around that. That's a problem. That's a problem. If you if you the least thing you can do is that if you re-sign all the guys you're capable of signing, like Caruso, for example, uh, <clears throat> in THT. Now you actually have pieces around you where you can say, hey, at this deadline, maybe we can swing for better margin, guys, because now we have guys that people want. You know what I'm saying? But like you said, it takes an owner who's willing to spend. If you're obviously you're cheap and if you're looking to count pennies, you're looking to save money. Like obviously it's not our money, it's their money. But if you're looking to do that, you're not going to compete. Like I don't know, I, I don't know what to tell people. If you're looking to try and budget your way to a chip, that's not happening, right? <laughs> There's a reason why Moneyball didn't work. As, as good as they wanted it to work, right? Because you can't budget your way to no championship, especially when there's so much talent and there's many owners willing to try to acquire as much talent as possible. That's just the bottom line. You're not going to budget your way to a championship. So as long as the ownership is like that, as long as they keep hiring God knows who in the front office to give them the wrong piece of information for, for you know what I mean? Like they let, think about, it. they didn't get Jerry West. He wanted to be there. Didn't get him. Ty Lue. Arguably one of the best coaches now that he's getting his credit for finally, as like I've been calling for, getting his credit for being the best coach, if not the best coach in the NBA. He was right there, let him go because they wanted to, to, to lowball him. And that, guy, let him even, pick, and that let him pick his own staff. Pick his own staff. Even the guy you brought in to replace Vogel, who now everybody's looking like, okay, this guy's pretty decent. Now he got better than Jason Kidd. You couldn't even retain him. So I, like, what are you, what, what are you doing? What, what is your direction? What is your, what are you doing? Like that's that's what people need to ask you. What are you doing? Because they don't know what they're doing right now. They don't know what they're doing at all, and that's just not going to work in today's NBA. Not with the amount of talent you see around the league. Not with with the amount of young guys now who they understand. Look, these young guys understand in their mind. LeBron James is one of the greatest ever. Like he's their generation's goat. They under they know that, but they're, they're like he's old. It's like he's old. Like I get it. I get it. You 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 was that guy, but you're 37. You on your way out, bro. And they don't, and they they're not fearing. No, they don't fear AD at all. If they don't fear AD at all, in their minds, we don't fear AD. And LeBron is old. You know what I mean? So it's like, if you don't want to build a proper team, if you don't want to make have a proper basketball philosophy and and stick to that, if you want to keep just you know, <clears throat> the, uh, reshuffling pieces, keep shooting for 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 star names, regardless of how the fit works. If you're going to keep doing that, this is what you get, especially with a cheap owner who's not willing to keep all the auxiliary pieces around them to make it even better. Like, this is what you get. This is what you get. And if you're, look, if you're a Lakers fan, God bless you. I don't know how you're going to continue when LeBron's gone and, and you know what I mean, and, and it's up to Genie and whoever they want to pick. I don't know how that's going to work out for you. If you, lock, if you rock with Bron, wait for him to go back to Cleveland and hopefully win a chip with them because, look, I can tell you right now, based on this front office, based on this ownership, this season is cooked, next season is cooked. I don't see any way they can do anything because, look, the thing with Cleveland is they were willing to do whatever it took to compete every year. When LeBron went there, his second stint, they were willing to do whatever it took to compete and they made the moves to, to be in the positions to compete. You cannot say this with the Lakers. They've given you enough years to see that they are not willing to do whatever it takes. They have not made a move at the deadline since 2019, since Magic was there. Mike Muscala, baby. 
Like, 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 you have not made a deadline trade. <laughs> you have not made a deadline trade since Magic was there. Okay, so they clearly have shown they're not willing to do whatever it takes to win in, in during the season or make the adjustments on the roster. They want to be cheap and hope on buyouts using the LA allure. Okay, so look, I'm, it's not good. Like, really, like this. I gave them a, a one last chance to show me: can they be creative? Can they be? Though, can they be aggressive? It's not good. I, I, I really have zero faith in the front office, zero faith in the ownership to make LeBron's two next two years good. And God knows what they'll do when LeBron's gone. I, I really don't. You, don't. you don't believe in Kurt Rambis? <laughs> like I said, if you're a Lakers fan, God bless you, man. I know. God I saw Joseph's you. face when I said Kurt Rambis. Didn't he do, didn't he do something to your Timberwolves back in the day? Hey, the triangle, it's a very intricate system. <laughs> you, need, you need Johnny right. Flynn healthy for multiple years right. to the triangle so, 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 Joseph, I saw that you, uh, you tweeted something about the Lakers, about not focusing on the you know, important aspects of the game and their team building. Um, what do you think about that, just in general, and then just them not standing past the deadline? To, to, before you go, to Palinka's credit, or not his credit, but he did say he was like, you know, they tried, but. He basically was trying to be nicely as nice as he could to say we well, didn't have anything anybody wanted. <laughs> Which was... <laughs> yeah, you know, I think it's funny too is I think I think Talon is going to be a nice piece when he's playing in a system that has spacing and instead of like being this like stressful, probably anxiety inducing position for a young guy like him to yeah. be like, hey, you know, you thought you were coming along kind of slowly and it was you're playing with house money. Actually, we need you on your A game, 82 games and deep into the finals. And if you're not here, <laughs> you won't make the playoffs. That's hard. Like that's, but it, it does come back to, I mean, you know, whenever a bad, what do you even call this? You can't call it a blunder that like trivializes it. It's it, like in chess, they have, they call them blunders and maybe it's just like kicking the board across the room. You know, it's, I, I, I don't, you know, it's like, let me put it this way. I, my overarching basketball philosophy for team building, I look at three main tenants that help me determine if I want to play. Right. First and foremost, you've got efficiency. You win the PVP battle, you win the game. Ninety, it's like ninety-three percent of the. Excuse me, it's eighty-nine percent of the time. If you win the points per play, it's not even taking into account offensive rebounds. You win the points per play battle in the NBA. You win the game eighty-nine percent of the time. You win it by zero point oh five points per play or more, which is one point every twenty plays more than your opponent. You win ninety-seven percent of the time, right? You build for PPP. Right. After PPP, you got two more things that are that are trickier to gauge. One, in my opinion, is autonomy. Is what I always call, and that's you know, are you able to 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 force your skill set onto the opponent, right? Um, Russell Westbrook, high autonomy player. He's never gonna he's never gonna starve until he can't move at all, right? Someone like Steve Novak, low autonomy player. He he's at the mercy of the defense messing up to let him do his high efficiency thing. Then you have elasticity, which is very very hard to gauge. That is, how well does your uh, you know efficiency and autonomy scale as the opponents? Get better because uh, a guy who can beat up on an 18 win team that's great for making the playoffs that's you know if he's not able to to if he if he's an inefficient player and a high volume player against a 50 win or a 55 win team you're going to be the eight seed every single year um i bring these up because russell westbrook is the perfect storm high autonomy at this point in his career low elasticity not able to scale well at all 
terrible efficiency by some of the metrics that I run. And these are, these exist in a vacuum, nothing in basketball exists in a vacuum except for the final score. By some of the metrics I ran, Russell Westbrook's been the worst player in the NBA for the last two years, not because of a skill level, not because of a box score stuffing ability, but because on the amount of possessions that he uses and yep. his efficiency against the average NBA offense, he puts his team in such a deep hole that thank God he's a maniac passing the ball. Thank God he, he can create steals against guys who are going to be out of the league in two years because he's able to make up for it and make you a winning team. I bring this up because how on earth did you justify trading for this man? What And I know that was what AD asked for, but the, the book was out on him. It was in like, dude, the Ryan's been on the wall for a decade. Clear, like, he, Joseph, they left him wide open when they played him. Like, yeah, it, it, it's funny. It's when I when I when I speak with players, this is something that I thought like high schoolers would would like have, you know be like, oh, that's wild, dude. NBA guys must throw those. I'm like, dude, how do you feel when a guy takes a mid range contested pull up in your face? I feel good. I feel like I won the possession. Great. So why do you take four a game? You know, <laughs> answer me. Like, if you, how do you think they feel when you're shooting a forty percent shot? But you know. It, it, every team that has won an NBA championship in since I don't even know, man, I, it's, it's hard. Like, what are we gonna, like going back to the late eighties has had some amount of spacing minus the, the fluky Detroit Pistons team. Right. right. But even, even the nineties Spurs had some amount of 1999 relative spacing. Right. What, what got you to the championship wasn't just LeBron and AD. It was giving those guys room to operate. And yeah, dude, this is a hidden thing where I remember one of the first things that before I was an analytics guy, I was a very v, v him. I'm, it's 1 a.m. in Minnesota. I was very anti-analytics. I'm not going to try and make the Scrabble triple word score. Um, I was very <laughs> anti-analytics. And I remember I read this article that showed that when you played um, Goran Dragic, excuse me, Goran Dragic with, uh, I believe it was Ryan Anderson. Oh, no, excuse me, it was Goran with Channing Fry that the Phoenix Suns increased their per 100 possession net rating by like 20 points per 100 possessions. That is the invisible effect of spacing. If you have the Ferrari and you put skateboard wheels on it, good luck winning any street race. And so this doesn't mean that you know, can't work. It doesn't mean that Talon can't work. I'm a Talon believer, but you, you have to pay it forward with shooting. And when you won the championship, you had just enough. You got timely contributions from guys like KCP, Kuzma. You know, I, I looked it up. I mean, they had seven guys in the re- regular rotation shooting above one point per possession. On guard catch. Yeah, <laughs> he, I, I think he might. I think he might have been one that year. I'm not. I can't remember the top of my head, but they had seven. Right. In two years since, the only one who has remained continuously on the roster is LeBron James. LeBron, yeah, I'm saying LeBron. <laughs> one point per possession is important. That's the average offense in the NBA. So if you're trying – this year's .96. It's usually about .98. So we run up to one. It's easy to do the math that way, right? So when you get a 1.05 a point per possession shot, you're basically winning 0.05 points marginally over, over your offense, right? To not bring those guys back shows just a fundamental – just failure in understanding not only where your efficiency comes from with LeBron because LeBron is not by himself at this point in his career, a plus PVP efficiency player. He treads water for himself and he lets everybody else around him absolutely feast on open threes. He draws so much attention. So why are you not, why are you just assuming that you can get minimum contract guys that no one else in the league wants that some, a a contender has cut in training camp and I get it. Everyone likes Avery Bradley because he works his butt off, but he got cut by the team you're trying to beat. What does that tell you? (laughs) And you know, like, you can get away with one or two, you know, Carmelo signings or Malik Monk and like, dude, some of these guys have worked out, but like at the bot, at the end of the day, 
they were very small investment. And it's funny, Kings brings up the people who are like, you know, Alex Caruso, um, you know, couldn't, couldn't have say this team. I love those guys, the binary States Kings, right? If you're, if your house is on fire, why would I walk in the litter? That's not going to stop me from burning alive because it gets you closer to the door. You know, if you've got a little way to go, start yeah. making those little things. And if you do enough of them, you get out of the freaking house, you know? Right. Yeah, it's it just, I, I don't, and yeah, I'm sure Polinka was working the phones, but it, I, I do not understand how this decision to bring Russell Westbrook aboard was made so flippantly because there's no way it could have been made with a well-reviewed process. There's they gave no, up a first man. round pick. They gave up a first round pick it. to get him. Yeah. They, they gave up a first round pick to do that. Mind it, you. They, like, oh man. I, and I do, do, do I blame Russ? Absolutely not. Russ has got nothing but positive reinforcement. It financially, celebrity, he's gotten praise. He still has loyal stands who are like, he's the man. And frankly, I respect Russell Westbrook from a heart standpoint, from a success standpoint. But as a basketball analytics professional, I look at this, at this, everything about this, and it's, it's disgusting. I can't point to a single thing where I'm like, in this situation, you are better than the average NBA player because it doesn't exist. And so, like, and this is even going back to last year with Washington. This was such an important decision, and it was it's a, it's a franchise-altering mistake, and it's not all on Russ because, like, dude, you could have gotten – Kuz back, you could have gotten KCP back. Never mind not training, you could have kept Harold. You could have you could have paid for some some higher level shooting. 46 million can go a long way once you already have the two stars. 46 right. million is normally like, you know, like, oh man, dude, we got to get the guy and hopefully he's good enough. You already had two of the guys. I don't think Anthony Davis is like a world beater, but he's clearly good enough to be the second guy in a title with shooting. And they're like, whatever. We got to get Dwight and we got to get DeAndre Jordan because big man, for whatever reason, this is a six foot eight slow white guy who can do anything except be a big man. Um, the, the fetishization of the big man is insane, is absolute insanity in the NBA. It's over, guys. The lane is longer. George Mikan passed away peacefully years ago. It's never going to come back until the rules change. A three. Uh... No, don't, don't, don't have to say, don't have to King. Kings love his big man, man. Kings love his big man. It won't come. It, I see what he's saying. The two bigs won't ever come back. That's a fact. Well, I mean, I don't know. Cleveland, Cleveland bucking that trend, but it's like <laughs> it, the bigs, you have to have certain level of talent to be able to get away with it. You're not going to just be able to bring any old run of the mill big and think you can play that. Those days are gone. Like those yeah. days are gone. You need spe- like Moby is a special talent, bro. Like Jared Allen is a is a quality starting center for any team in the NBA, and then you add a gener a potential generational talent, Moby. And that's just a whole completely different situation in, in in Cleveland that they got going on. But but like but like I wanted to um to to bring up because you brought up a good point that they need a shooting. It was there, you know. I mean, Kuzma's not that good of a shooter. Trez was like not even playable. Though you could have flipped those two for one of the best shooters in the league. Yeah. Like you didn't have to give no draft compensation, no nothing. But Literally you know. just Kuzma and Trez, and you get one of the best shooters in the NBA. And then you keep your best shooter in KCP. You keep another pretty solid shooter who was developing in Caruso. And then you add the best shooter in the NBA. And then you have room to now add in other guys on the margins to bring in. You could have still brought in Monk on his minimum. You should have still brought in Melo on their minimum. Like, but you but you blew that all away because you were chasing stars. It's actually incredible how lucky the Lakers have been on some of their signings. Monk has been fantastic. Reeves has been 
one of their most important players. Um, right. I watched this. <laughs> and I was like, this is fun. Like, yeah, dude, it's a good story. And all of a sudden, he's he's an insanely valuable part of their team. Stanley Johnson's been useful, but you know, you just have so like you know, Russ is is is. is you know, the, the amount of just of weight that he's pulling down on, on the remaining guys and to not have, you know, the ability to sign other high quality, you know, non-minimum, non-mid-level exception veterans is just, it's a killer. I, and like I said, I don't blame Russ. How can I blame Russ? This is how he's played basketball his entire life. He's been rewarded for it massively. I think people, you know, and I've been saying this about him since he won his MVP, because I'm like, it's great. He's fantastic. He, you'll never win championship with him because the math just can't work out. It can't make sense. <laughs> I'm sorry. The way we determine who wins a basketball game is math. The way we determine who wins a series is math. All right. You can't say there's no ma- basketball math because I've never seen a team win potato to shoe. Okay. <laughs> like, you know, it just, it, you can't make it make sense in the cap or with Russ. I, I'm trying not to get worked up about us. I feel bad for, especially Taylor, this young guy who's a very talented player. And all of a sudden he's being like just dragged for a situation. That, yeah, I, feel, I really feel bad for that kid, bro. Like I, I honestly do. Cause it's not his fault. Like, no, it's I mean, not his fault. Le- Le- LeBron James has a negative net rating on this team. LeBron and Taylor have the same negative net rating right now. Wow. If LeBron can't win at a 41-win rate, why would you ever expect a young kid who's working his butt off, who, frankly, you're lucky that he pan out the way that he did at the, at the drafts. Like, you you're, you should be so lucky to have this kid, you know? But all everyone's going to be like, well, he cost us Caruso. No, dude, it wasn't Taylor and Kai Caruso. You should have and could have kept both, you know? Well, no, that was when that's what Kings was talking about, Jenny being cheaper. Yeah. Definitely, it, they definitely could have paid him. It just would have cost, you know, the the tax if you just didn't want to pay have never made that Raples. We said this, we said this in from us, we said this from summer, bro. We said this from so, summer. So, 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 so here's the thing. So Kings has been adamantly against the Westbrook trade jump. So Man. for me, I was against I was against it. He, he played well for like three and a half weeks. And I was like, well, it, but my, my problem wasn't my problem. This my main problem, my main problem, because you know, as I've gone watched the NBA over the years, I've started to get more of a feel for for the, the GM aspect. My main issue was if it goes wrong, you can't, you can't, you can't, yeah. you can't yeah. fix it. Yeah. Because if you trade for Buddy Hill and Buddy Hills goes wrong, that's a movable tra- contract, and that's a, a guy with a skill set teams would want that you can get some, you can get some margin players for if that doesn't go right. Or you know what I'm saying? Or if you keep your picks, you can use him as contract filler to go in and get a, a little bigger piece like a CJ or whatever at the deadline. Like if you had Buddy Hill. You could have used him and you could have used Caruso or you could have used him in THT. And you could have attached your, your first round draft pick in 2022, whoever you picked up that, that you stashed away. You could have said, hey, uh, Portland, we'll throw in this and some seconds. Can you give us CJ McClung? And you could have did that. But yeah, no, perfect. no, you didn't want to do that. You didn't want to maintain cap flexibility. You didn't want to maintain asset flexibility. Instead, you chose to go and give it all away and give up your first even though Russ took a first to get dumped to go get Russell Westbrook. Like, and you know what? I, sh- you know what? I kind of saw this coming because you know what I was mad at? And people are like, oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know what I was mad at? When the deadline came and they knew Dennis Schroeder did not sign that extension. Yeah. And they let, and they literally did not trade him. I was like, you just wasted an asset that you could have got got something for at the deadline that you knew you weren't going to keep it. And then at the end of the season where everybody was laughing and he, he and giggling at when they were being petty with him and let him just go for nothing. It's like, okay, you lost that, but guess what? You got nothing for it. And, and then you wasted your assets to get Russell Westbrook. Now you got, now you have nothing. 
So being petty, you burnt that bridge. And now, how do you think that looks around the league? How, how do you think that looks around the league when they know that you're willing to do that, those type of tactics, right? When it doesn't go your way, you know what I'm saying? Like you just, you show that you don't know how to have asset management. You don't know how to build and keep relationships with agents and people. It's like, bro, people like, like when it's one thing for fans to laugh at it and, and give it because they don't they don't deal with the actual professional aspects of the GM stuff. They don't understand that. Like they don't care about that. And that to them, it's just they just care about you have what it takes to win. But they don't understand what goes into building the team. But like when you're actually a front office doing this type of things, you can't be mad when that you get this type of result. Like how can you be? How can anybody expect anything different based on the way that they have been acting? Like, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. Mediocrity. So now you're stuck with it. Now you're stuck with it because LeBron's, oh, he can't bail this. He can't bail it out no more. He's, he doesn't have the body to do it anymore. And AD, as good as he's coming back, now he's not mentally really all there. So good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Like, that's all That's all there is to say at this point. It's just good luck. <laughs> hey, my man went on a seven-minute rant. That's all there is to say. <laughs> hey. King's been holding that in. He was like, "I'm waiting to the deadline." I'm, I'm, I'm getting it all I'm out because I'm gonna be on. I'm gonna be on the T Wolves now for most of the priority because now this is officially cooked. I'm gonna be all, all on the Wolves now. I'm getting it all out because the worst part of this is we all saw like well, anybody who was adamantly against the rush trade all saw this coming. Yeah, and that's the worst part of it all is that we all saw this coming a mile away, and people kept trying to be ignorant about it. People kept trying to say no, and we, you know, we even tried to give them benefit. I was like, all right, we'll see if it can work. No, we knew it didn't work. We knew it wouldn't work. We knew they'd be asset strapped, and now that disaster has hit, everybody's now like crying every single day, going to spaces, talking about the same thing every single time. It's like we told you this months ago. Like <laughs> I, I'm, I, I don't want to be in y'all spaces, man. I want to be on space because we said this a long time ago and we were told that we were tripping. No, we're not tripping. Now it's mediocrities here. You got to deal with it. And, you know, it, I, I can also, I remember when I was at the University of Minnesota, it took us after I was done because my knees were just sandpaper at this point. Um, one of my sports management professors asked in the first day of class, how many people in this 200 person lecture want to be a GM? In my hand, among like 80 more went up. And she said, I don't understand why you would want that. And I was kind of offended by it because my 2K16 team won 11 championships the night before. So I could, I clearly knew what I was doing. But, you know, now in the line of work that I do, I can kind of understand it because, you know, like you can, you can have all the numbers, the eyes, everything line up and it can go haywire on you. You can have the guy who, you know, is a negative, you know, one point per possession catch and shoot guy at Alabama who all of a sudden is knocking out 57% of his threes. And it's like, dang, dude, this is the dream. And I, there's no way for me to anticipate these moves as they happen. As a GM, you cannot blow this though. This was the writing was on the wall in a way that very few writings have ever been on a wall in NBA history. This was just purely, I don't know if it was a vanity play, if it was an ego play, if it was a, hey, AD says it will work play, but like there there was no amount of information that led anyone to believe this would work, except for the fact that Russ has a name and he has an MVP. If you just stripped stripped him of his, his titles and his name and you looked at what he was in Washington and the effect he had in that team, 
never mind, you know, paying him 50, 60, uh, it's not 60, 46 million back-to-back years. Um, let's see if he exercises the player option. I don't know. Maybe he'll walk. Um, it, regardless of, 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 you wouldn't take this guy in the minimum. Truly. <laughs> I, I would, if I was a team, I would not take him unless I thought I could flip him for a player that was better than what I could sign. I would not take him on the minimum. And I say that with all due respect to the person that he is and how he willed himself into the life that he has. You just can't win with guys like this. It's guys who, who are inefficient and just they only have one gear and it's fire. You can't win that way. He can't change. He won't change, man. It's not it's not a personality flaw. It's the way the world has built him up to be. You know, any one of us would be acting like Russ in Russ's position because Russ defied all odds and he got paid and rewarded and positive reinforced every step of the way. I always said if it was Allen Iverson if he never got Larry Brown as a coach. Yeah, just, it's un, just completely unchecked. And, you know, you're scared of him leaving because the other guys left. So he's just like, fine, we're going to lean into it. He's selling out the arena every every day. Okay, see, so was he, mad he, that he, he wanted to go. You yeah. see the reports? They said yeah. the executive was like, he should have stayed at OKC. They, they was eating off the Brody legacy over there, man. He was yeah, making yeah, money yeah. for him. <laughs> That's what it's so, all man. <laughs> right. Anyway, y'all guys, do me a favor. Uh, follow my guy Joseph Gill at Joseph Gill MA. Uh, you know, he works with guys in the NBA, so he doesn't have to take too hot, but you know, he'll drop something every now and then. <laughs> He's not going to mess up the business. We respect that about him. We love him. Uh, also, as always, follow my boy, my bro, at his Kings, bro. Myself, JJ, JJ Maples 55 underscore MST. Uh, follow us, subscribe to the pod, leave, leave us feedback. We appreciate all of it. And uh, Joseph, man, once again, this is about past 1 a.m. where you are. We appreciate you. <laughs> Last minute, man. man. <laughs> I appreciate all you guys. I, you know, hey, man, this is this is a one every single year that I hope to do. So, well, we, yeah, right. It's we, a lot of, yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you for not pushing me on the guys that didn't want to be pushed on. That was really cool. <laughs> it's all good, man. I told you, we, we ain't trying to, we ain't trying to mess with nobody money up over here, man. We, we good. We got you. <laughs> also, shout out Packy Turner, best in the business. Packy. Bay we got to get Packy on, man. We got to get Packy on. You, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. If you have me on, you have to have right. him on. Why are you going to have me on three times right. and him not on once? Right. All right, <laughs> you guys, you guys be safe. That's it for the Temple Hoop this week. We are out of here. Peace, y'all.